Welcome to episode, I believe, 84. Don't even have the rundown in front of me. Podcast of the Half Point for Podcast. 83. 83. Of the Half Point for Podcast. I'm your host, Evan Riggs, joined, as always, by my co-host, Dalton Willie, and producer Johnny Pham. We are recording this on a Tuesday because Johnny has, I believe, his final kickball outing of the season tomorrow. Johnny, are you guys going for like a championship tomorrow? Or like what what's the situation? What oh, what God. should we be prepared for here? Absolutely nothing. We were in an intermediate league and played so bad that we got demoted down to we got relegated to the beginner league. <laughs> so in the beginner league there is no playoffs. So uh, next week's just the last or tomorrow's the last week. It's like wacky rules where you kick it, you have to go to third and, or, like, a certain inning. You you can't catch a fly ball. It's wacky rules week. But, uh, yeah, we got relegated, so that was that was fun. So what – if you can't catch a fly ball, what do you do with it? You literally have to let it bounce and then I hope you throw them out at second. Or That's where a lot of runs are going to be scored. So it feels like it makes it a lot harder for well, you. Or you kind of have to hope it's, like, a ground ball and you throw it first. That's – I, I don't know. It's gonna be interesting. I would try and pop it literally every kick. But the, the but air. the teams you were playing in intermediate are like traveling teams. Like they have their own custom jerseys. We get like a three dollar <laughs> same T shirt, and they have like these dry fit jerseys with their names and number in the back. It was absurd. We lost like twenty four to two, and then the the ref felt really bad for us. And he Look good, experience. play good, man. You got to come ready. All right. That that sounds like Dalton and I's experience playing intramural soccer at KU our freshman year. Uh, not no, not not want to talk about that. Not not too, not too many wins were had. No, th- there was some fun that was had. <laughs> not 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 too many wins. Uh, there for a while, our only win was because the other team never showed up. Uh, so we got a win by forfeit, and I think we did actually. Dalton, did we get a win or a tie? We got a tie at some point. I don't remember if we ever got another win. Not only did we get a tie, we went to the playoffs, and I think we only lost 1-0 in the, the playoffs. To be clear, only because of the forfeit. But we lost 1-0 to a fraternity team that had actual soccer, like legit soccer players. It's like, you know, you played soccer, like Brian did a little soccer here and there. Adam allegedly played some soccer. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, these guys were, like, a full team of soccer players, and you've got guys like like me and, and Denton and – and Ty, who are, who are not soccer players. So an impressive outing uh, by us back in the day. Johnny, what, what were the kickball stats looking like? Any, any doubles, any RBIs to speak of for you? Oh, um, I think I have at least like six RBIs. Um, not a long hitter, strategic. I think one time I aimed it right at a girl because she was had her <laughs> hand in the face, and then she got me out. I was so pissed. I was like, Strategically aimed for it. It was a great sky ball, and then she got she got me out. It was stats are good. Um, our team's just not as good because they're pros essentially. <laughs> Fair enough. All right, Johnny is strategic with the <laughs> kickball hits, and some some might say a little bit ruthless uh, with that strategy. And Dalton, we are going to be very strategic with the the stock up and stock down this week. That is the topic of this week's show. So we've had now two weeks of football. So still we're working with a very, very, very small sample size, but enough to where we can try to come to some conclusions or at least update how we think about guys. Now this is all TBD could change later with more information, but we're going to each give five guys that 
we have changed our opinion on about them, whether it is in the positive direction or in the negative direction. And I think where we should start is I know for a fact we have one overlap because you have Ramondre Stevenson and I just have the Patriots. So let's talk about the Patriots. I think they just might be bad. And more to the point, I think Mac Jones might actually be bad. He's like, the stats have been okay. They've looked about the same as last year for Mac, you know, 250, 240 yards per game, you know, throwing a touchdown and an interception. But in week one, he looked like he kind of had a noodle arm out there. He was lofting everything. That was a little bit concerning. And then week two, like, I was watching that game a lot more than I would have liked. It was on my red zone a lot more than I would have liked against the Steelers. And he threw one really terrible interception and should have had another one if Cameron Sutton could catch the ball. And the Steelers with Mitch Trubisky, who I think is a bottom five quarterback in the NFL right now. And without TJ Watt, who was the entire reason they won week one, basically, besides Deontay Johnson making an incredible catch. They would have lost this game to the Steelers because their offense was just that anemic. You could take it from the Ramondre Stevenson angle right now, Dalton, but outside of Damian Harris scoring a touchdown and you're getting some Jacoby Myers relevance out of volume, there's not really much you can count on right now with this team. Yeah, well, and I have some major problems with it. I never thought Mac Jones was great. I thought he was always like below average as a quarterback. And it sounds like this back injury is going to be one of those things that he just plays with all season. And we've seen average to below average quarterbacks play on injuries. Baker Mayfield, Jimmy Garoppolo um, are two that come to mind and their production significantly dropped off. The ability of this team to pass block is worse than last year. Dramatically last season, they finished at the eighth overall pass blocking rate over two games, which it's a small sample size. They're at 23rd. And when there's an empty pocket like that for Mac Jones, he's not going to have the ability to kind of look through his progressions. He's not athletic enough to get his reads. And then their run game is just absolutely not getting it going anymore. They're one of the most prolific run games last year. This year, I mean, Damian Harris is getting 12 carries a game for 40 yards. Ramondre is getting seven carries for 32 yards. It's just not pretty. And I think this team will win games because Belichick's a good coach, but they're going to win really really ugly games and they're trying to muck it up and they're getting in the trenches the best they can, but it's not going to be good for fantasy outcomes. I think Kendrick Bourne might be their best wide receiver and he's playing like six snaps a game. I still think Jacoby Myers is probably their best wide receiver, but Bourne might be the guy who has the most play the play upside. Like Jacoby Myers is just solid play in play out. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. Um, And that's just the problem with this team as a whole is like the way they're scripting their plays doesn't seem to be indicative of any rhyme or reason to how they want to win their games. And Jacoby Myers is the only true and tried receiver who's getting slot snaps consistently. And it was a meme in the offseason that Matt Patricia was splitting play calling duties (laughs) and there was no offensive coordinator. But it's actually a problem now. Like from week to week, from week one against Miami to week two against Pittsburgh, Their identity was just drastically different. The way they played the game was different. And they probably look better against Miami, which says a lot um, because Miami looked to be the better team than the Steelers. So I'm I'm out on New England. I'm out on every player I've got with New England. Um, They might figure it out, but I don't think their offensive line is going to get better. 
part of the reason they had a great offensive line for so many years was that offensive line coach they had for like 40 years, and he retired a couple years ago. I think we're seeing the offset of that as well. I'm just not a believer, and I don't want to be a believer in this team. Uh, this this really hurts because Stevenson was a my guy, and I, I still – I'm still hanging in there. I, I'm not ready to say that I'm just out on him entirely this year, but he has 20 touches in two games, like touches, not, not rushes, touches in two games. He played 25% of the snaps in week one. Now it was up to above 60. It was like 62% in week two. So that's part of the very different identity. And that, that may be partially because Ty Montgomery was the third guy very much so in week one and is now not there. I don't know exactly how long he'll be out, but it's not season. I think he'll be back at some point. And you've got to think that he'll cut into whatever work Stevenson is able to carve out in the passing game, because that just seems like that's what's going to happen. I, I mean, I, I'm hoping talent just wins out and Stevenson and Harris are able to to elevate themselves above the situation and, and be relevant. But I think you're just going to be hoping for touchdowns week to week with these guys. And it's just not, not a good spot to be in. It's, it's unfortunate because I think Stevenson is a really fun player. One of my favorite running backs outside of like the top guys, obviously in the NFL to watch, but I I just think the volume is going to be inconsistent. And then this team just kind of stinks. And I think, I think Mac Jones is kind of bad. I, like he's been pretty bad so far, and you said Bailey broken, Zappi deserves his chance. <laughs> the the broken back is certainly not making you uh, feel better about things. That that's for sure. Yeah, well, you know, speaking of some of our favorite running backs, I think that goes right into my my number four on this spot. Uh-huh. And his time is back. Uh, last year, after the draft, James RB one season was done. <laughs> then Travis Etienne got hurt, and RB one season was back on. Then he tore his Achilles, and I thought we would never have James RB1 again. But I think it's James RB1 season yet again. Uh, I personally am a fan of this Jaguars team. I like to watch them play. And the first thing is he might be the first player to come back from an Achilles injury. I've spoke about it before. I think the partial tear kind of plays in to how he came back from it. He, he and Sterling Shepard are, are big success stories right now. Yeah. And – Last week, I mean, he really supplanted ETN. Week one, these two had about a 50-50 workload. They split really down the middle. Week two, that changed. He had 59% of the team's running back snaps. And ETN is just looking to me like the Jags want to use him like a Naheem Hines. Not- I'm, I'm so glad you said that. This is this is from I, – I had this because you obviously told me that James Robinson was on – on your list, Johnny, way to be with the uh, with the branding right right on cue there. You even made that on your own. Good stuff, buddy. Um, so Travis Etienne, this is from Dwayne McFarland. He only had 21% of the team's rushing attempts in week two. He's obviously the lead option on passing downs, but Dwayne makes the point. His role mirrors more of a Naheem Hines than an Alvin Kamara like everybody hoped. So it's funny exactly. that he invoked that name. Yeah, well, and that's what you think of. I was going to say he looked more like a Naheem Hines than the Dalvin Cook we thought he was going to be, which is where some of his draft stock was. But AK is probably an even better description of what people wanted out of him. And I don't really see a role for him that's like fantasy relevant in this team. The short yardage and stuff is being taken up by Evan Ingram, which 
for whatever it is, it's happening. And <laughs> well, it happened last week. But I think it's going to be a, a dart throw situation with Ingram all year, which is fine at tight end, but I don't think you can count on that. And then I took this from Ben Gretsch's stealing signals, but have I touches uh, in week one, James Robinson had three in week or sorry, in week one, James Robinson had three and Travis Etienne had four in week two. Travis Etienne had none and James Robinson had six. So he's not even a touchdown or bus start. I don't know how you're going to get your points out of him. James Robinson's even getting some passing down work. I think James Robinson has solidified himself as the guy on this team, and he's going to continue to be so week in and week out. Yep, I I agree. I mean, we kind of talked about this last week a, a little bit, and I think we both agreed that Robinson was the back that we preferred, and that's even stronger after this week. I, what, I think total touches were 25 to 12 in week two mm-hmm. in favor of Robinson. I mean – Robinson is probably like a top, uh, I don't know, 24 to 30 running back right now, probably closer to 24. And ETN is like a RB3, like barely top 36. Like, would you rather have Travis ETN or Michael Carter right now for the rest of the season? Well, especially with Joe Flacco, Michael Carter. (laughs) (laughs) I think I would still say ETN. But it's close. Like they're they're both right there. I think that's the neighborhood. Which that that is not. Pe- people were hyping this guy up. That you mentioned Dalvin Cook. I mentioned Alvin Kamara. At the very least, people were like, "This is this year's DeAndre Swift." He is none yeah. of those things. I would just like him to be a fantasy starter. At this, I point. mean, this guy was a third round pick, and he was like the he was supposed to be the dead zone breaker. I mean, he was in the RB dead zone, and he was supposed to be the guy that you know got by it, and nobody had to worry about. He was a guy you could take late with a zero RB build, and he's just not that. Not even close. Yep. Yep. Uh, I'm in agreement as well. Uh, I'll skip around. I don't really have a definite order uh, on this list. So I'll skip to my guy on the Jags uh, to stick with the same team again. How about Christian Kirk, man? He's basically been at six for 101 touchdowns. His average through two weeks. Uh, pretty, pretty darn impressive. We, we all had a pretty good inclination that he'd lead the team in targets. And I think for a lot of reasons, we all, including me, put it, putting myself in, in this discussion, obviously, underrated Kirk heading into this season. I think for me personally, it was the Jaguars always stink. They're going to stink again. I'm afraid to, to buy in. Uh, even with the coaching upgrade, you just kind of, you, you just kind of worry about the Jags every year because they're almost never good. And even when they are good, they have Blake Bortles at quarterback, so it's not like they have an offense that you love. Um And then the other thing is Trevor Lawrence himself was, I know he was aided by, or hurt, I should say, by really bad play at receiver last year. But he also himself was not very good last year. Now, he was a rookie. It's not shocking. Not by, you know, far and away, won't be the the last and definitely not the first rookie to have that kind of season. But we just didn't know what Lawrence would be. And so far, Lawrence has been awesome through two weeks he has looked really good like I, I i don't know if you guys just go search trevor lawrence on 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 twitter and just pull up some of the clips of some of the throws he was making last week like that looks like the guy that went number one overall out of clemson to me and then you have christian kirk who they're using him almost exclusively in the slot that's what we wanted we were afraid of them putting him outside because that's not his game 
84% of the snaps he's been in the slot this year. That's what you want. 24% target share through two weeks. Like he, he is the number one tried and true in this offense. And he just has great chemistry with Trevor Lawrence already. And they're running like actual legitimately good plays this year that people are like breaking down and saying, wow, look at this formation that Kirk do this and that. Like, I just think that we all underrated the passing game this year. We were all looking at ETN and I think Kirk is a top 24 type of guy right now in my mind until proven otherwise. Yeah. Well, and part of it is competent coaching is going a long way for this team. Like you said, they're running them exclusively out of the slot. This team is, their defense is still very bad, which is mm. very good for fantasy purposes. Um, which, what does that say about Matt Ryan, by the way? I know they were missing Michael Pittman. I know Alec Pierce wasn't there, so there was no perimeter presence. But, dear Lord, man, if he doesn't look like uh, he's knocking on the door of retirement right now, oh, my God. Well, and I know you said this team's a bad team, but there's a chance they win the South. Mm-hmm. Like that, that is not outside the realm of possibility. I bet on them at plus 450. I bet yeah. on the Jaguars to win the South after um, last week. But Christian Kirk's also just commanding like an elite target share. He's at 26.3%. Yep. I mean, it's really hard to continue to do that and not be a really, really good wide receiver. We like to make fun of the deal the Jaguars gave, which for all intents and purposes is a bad deal as a franchise. But they're definitely trying to make that deal look like it was worth it. Christian Kirk is going to probably have a career year here, and he looks like he's the guy that Trevor Lawrence looks to in his first read. Yep, and we've talked about this before. There's a difference between bad deal and bad player. He's not a bad player. He's never been a bad player. He, he's a good player. He, he's just not worth that deal. And for fantasy, that's okay. For real life, maybe a slightly different story for the Jags. But, you know, their quarterback's not a rookie deal. They kind of have some funny money that other teams don't. So, if it, if it helps Lawrence, if it leads to Lawrence developing, then it, it may all be worth it, too. It might all be a moot point. Hey, real quick, there uh, there's some questions in the chat, if you guys have saw that or not. I have. Thank you for bringing that up, though, Johnny. I was going to wait until after the Christian Kirk. So we've got first from Alex McBuckets. Always in on the name McBuckets, by the way. Should I trade Cordero Patterson and DJ Moore for Joe Mixon? It's a full PPR. I would say yes. I know people are probably frustrated with Joe Mixon right now, but or the Bengals, or yes, the, <laughs> the, the Bengals especially, but even even Joe Mixon because he's at like a seventy three percent snap share right now through the first couple of weeks. He just hasn't scored touchdowns, so definitely in on that. Uh, Dalton, your thoughts. Yeah, I would definitely take that trade if I had the chance. Uh, first, I'm not a huge fan of Baker Mayfield's cute quarterback play in two weeks. Looked abysmal against the Giants. They're not that great of a team. And Cordero Patterson still feels a little bit like fool's gold to me. You can probably sell high after that week one and even mm-hmm. week two. He looked better. He was still on the field. Uh, but Joe Mixon is a true workhorse. And his owner's probably a little disappointed in it and might be looking to pivot because it looks like the year of the wide receiver for the first two weeks. And you could probably get DJ more out of that. <laughs> and then uh, second question, I honestly, if this is true, then just do it. Trade two away for CeeDee Lamb? Yes. Unless you're in Superflex? Yes. And even if you are in Superflex, probably still yes. 
Yeah, two is never going to score fifty points or whatever he scored last week again. I think, um, I, think I think it was like thirty six or thirty eight or something. But, yeah, the, but yeah, the the Ravens legitimately like quit playing defense and like they let themselves get burned way too many times. I mean, they had defensive backs that looked like they had never met each other, let alone uh, play played ball together. Yeah, well, and I mean, they ran a stack box into the third quarter of seven guys when they were getting burnt deep. So I just I'm not about it. Okay, Dalton, next guy on your list. We're through two apiece so far. All right, I'll go ahead and eat crow on this one. Uh, wasn't the biggest Michael Thomas believer in the offseason. I'm excited to hear this one because you just traded for him in our dynasty league. And I, you I paid, did. Yeah, and, you, and you paid a, a real price. I did, yeah. It wasn't free. Um, but Michael Thomas is a guy that I definitely think his stock is rising. Through two weeks, he hasn't played 80% of the team's, team snaps. He has three touchdowns despite of that. He leads the team in targets by one, despite Olave getting 12 last week. Um, let me first say, I still believe in Chris Olave. 300 air yards last week is no joke. It really means that he's a believer and that he's really good. Um, but what worries me is after the game, Dennis Allen comes out and says, no more deep shots. Uh, Jameis took too many in that game. And I think that's where Chris Olave's game is doing well. I don't think they want to do it. Um, but more importantly, I... I am a little concerned about Jameis Winston, but I think this team is trying to slow games down. They're trying to work really difficult uh, play clock management situations where they're trying to keep Jameis away from making mistakes. And that means that those short and slanting routes are where they're excelling and they don't really have a red zone option. I think Michael Thomas is the best at that. There's the tight ends on this team are so bad. Jawan Johnson has a high, high snap share. And then more importantly, uh, there's, Second best option in the red zone looks to be Taysom Hill right now. So I'm just not buying into into that. I I can't say that my opinion has changed on Michael Thomas because it's about what it, I, I I thought probably the highest of at least you, me, and I don't know about Johnny, but for sure Eli, you and Eli were in lockstep at, at having him in the 30s. And then uh I was mid twenties. I guess I would probably like if I were doing ranks this week, I would say he's higher than mid twenties. But my concerns are in both games. It has taken pretty much the entire game for Jameis Winston to decide. Okay, let's throw it to Michael Thomas, and then obviously it's paid off nicely for fantasy. But I think if it if it were like this was the argument I made against Will Fuller. In years past where it's like okay he's getting these stats late in games it it feels fluky or at least if this is the usage that michael thomas continues to have it's going to be a tough way to make a living like this now you hope that that usage changes but so far olave is olave and thomas were pretty much co well and landry they were all three kind of to co top guys week one week two it was 13 targets for Olave, everyone knows the air yards at this point were like 300 air yards or something just dumb like that. He had half the team's third third down targets, I believe, and half of their end zone targets as well. So he was their tried and true one. It just didn't, they just didn't connect. I like Michael Thomas. And most of all, I've liked how he's looked. He looks like Michael Thomas to me. So that part is encouraging. The Olave part and just Jameis Winston of it all is enough to at least give me a little pause, but obviously not any more than I had before the season. 
Yeah. Well, and my concern still is James Winston. What I like about Michael Thomas is I think that his snap share is going to continue to go up. He's going to be above 90% by the end of the season. I still think they're easing him back from a couple mm-hmm. of years without play. And I think Winston will get healthier throughout the season. Like that report said on Sunday, the injury can't get worse. He's just playing through pain. I think as he gets healthier, he I, gets I, I I don't understand that. How could you have – is it four, like, broken vertebrae? How can that yeah. not get worse? That really feels like it's the type of thing that could get worse. But uh, I'm you know. no doctor. I I'm would doctor. trust the NFL reporters <laughs> uh, for what they're worth on injury news. Uh, but if that continues and you see more playing time out of Michael Thomas and you see James Winston getting better each week, he has shown some spurts of looking good um, fourth quarter two weeks ago, the end of the game last week. Uh, then I do feel hopeful that you can really get that old Michael Thomas experience, but we'll see. So my third, I went from, I think, slightly pessimistic to extremely pessimistic on Darnell Mooney in the span of two weeks. I went from, you know, he's in the mid-30s. I don't quite see the hype of him being a mid-20s guy like like some people, not all, but but some people. I think he was a kind of a polarizing player. To now, I want him nowhere near my starting lineup. Now, I don't think you should drop him. Don't drop him yet. But he's not that far off from that right now. He has, and I would quiz you guys on this, but I already told you. He has four yards of receiving through two games. He has two receptions for four yards on five targets. All three of us had more yards than he did against the Packers because he was one for <laughs> negative four in that name, in that game. I mean, it could, I mean, the Kyle Pitt stats is a, just seems bizarrely similar to Darnell Mooney, too. It's, <laughs> it, it's like he's on the field a lot. Like Pitts, I think, was on the field for 88% of snaps, and he was just, I think he has like four targets, 12 yards. Not a whole lot of targets towards his way or catches, but yep. it's very uh, very discouraging as a, a Kyle Pitts owner for sure with the expectations we had going into the season. Well, yep. and with Darnell Mooney, the more worrying thing is if you look at them trailing the Packers, despite running the ball well, they threw the ball nine times. Yep. They continued to run the ball, couldn't get play action going. Like they, Their offense on the first drive looked all right, but nine pass attempts for Justin Fields, there was just not enough to go around for them to get major fantasy points out of it. And I, I mean, I just want no part in it. I agree with you. I'm not dropping him just yet. Uh, but that guy is coming nowhere near any of my starting lineups. And the, I mean, the, like Richie James off the waiver wire, taking him first. I mean, I said this before the season as a reason why I was concerned. I don't think he's a true number one. And I think right now he's suffering from tr- needing to be that when he's really more of a, a decent two or an excellent three in in a, in a normal NFL offense. I mean, forget – I forget – what was it, nine completions or nine attempts? They only dropped back to pass like 15 or 17 times and obviously feel scrambled out, out, out of some of those. But they were trailing that game for two and a half quarters. Right now, Mooney has an 18% target share. And that is fine if you're in a good offense and a high-volume offense. In this offense, you are going to have to do a lot better than 18% target share to be fantasy relevant. And, like, 
the bad St. Brown is producing a little bit in this <laughs> offense. I, I saw Matt Harmon say this in his five things this week. This is like the ultimate lesson of there's always another guy. That's why the argument of, well, there's nobody else, just it's never a good argument. There is always somebody else who can produce if if things are not going right for the guy that you're that you're wanting to produce. In one play, Dante Pettis has like a thousand more points than Darnell Mooney has had in two games. Yeah, it's it's not been pretty for Mooney. Um I mean eight yards. How many guys in the NFL have more than eight yards through or four yards, excuse me. Four yards through two games. Like just absurd absurd there there's no way he should be anywhere near your starting lineups and at the and even more than that you're gonna have to see multiple good games i think before you trust him in that starting lineup again good good games and good usage yeah i saw i saw a stat from justin fields that he has only 28 pass attempts through two games (laughs) and all 31 other teams have 28 completions so it's just he doesn't even like they're not even letting him pass the ball as much as the other 31 franchises. I'm glad you mentioned Kyle Pitts uh, there, Johnny, while I had to address something in, in the chat of our video, because I kind of wanted to go on this rant this week, decided that eh, there's really not a place for it. But now now I'm going to. Does Arthur Smith really have to blame fantasy football for why people are asking about why isn't Kyle Pitts getting the ball? You spent the number four draft pick, the highest pick of a tight end of all time. I don't even remember the name of the guy that he that he said Pitts was basically the decoy for because he was getting all the coverage on a certain play. Something Hodges. I don't remember the guy's first name. Kadero. It's like, yeah, Kadero. It's like, like, really? Like, that's what you're doing with the guy that you drafted ahead of Jamar Chase. Jamar Chase, arguably the best rookie receiver that we've ever seen in NFL history. And – probably one of the top five or six receivers right now. If Pitts is truly the generational talent that you think he is, you draft him at four, like, yeah, I'd find a way to get him the ball because it's not like you're winning. You scored points. You got back in the game, sure, by by some miracle that the Falcons always do. They always come just close enough and then don't actually come back and win. But they were down 28-3. to three. Like, it's not like there's not plenty of things to improve on on this offense i would try and get that guy the ball that's just me crazy idea i wouldn't blame fantasy football for why people want the number four overall pick in a loaded draft that had jamar smith Smith, jalen waddle uh like you have all these guys uh yeah i i think you should perhaps try like they're they're getting drake london the ball just fine why can't we get the ball to kyle pitts too yeah uh we do have two start set or two uh, a start and a trade question in here. We can jump on real quick. Okay. Uh, we got Allen Robinson or Adam Thielen. Uh, I'm like candidly in, in the fan of starting Allen Robinson. Uh, the Cardinals made a concerted effort to shut down Devonte Adams in the second half. I don't think they're going to be super successful doing that with Cup, but I do think they're going to try to force Stafford to look elsewhere on that offense. Thielen is still a little. I mean. All of his points came when the the Falcons were getting act. And then I don't know if you agree with that, Evan. Yeah, I I'm taking Allen Robinson. Um, Thielen has not had much involvement through the first two weeks. That's not to say that that can't change, but it's definitely concerning. And obviously, Allen Robinson had the terrible week one. He bounced back 
nicely. It wasn't anything spectacular, but he was like four for 50. He scored a touchdown. It was kind of clear the Rams wanted to make a point that, hey, relax. We're going to use this guy. It's okay. Everybody just take a deep breath. And I, I think all is is well with Allen Robinson right now. Maybe not like fire him up as a top 15 receiver, but you're starting him, I think. Yeah. And then we have uh... – Trade Jeff Wilson and Jalen Waddle for Gabe Davis and James Robinson. I'm probably on the side of trading Jeff Wilson and Jalen Waddle. Uh, I think this is a sell high moment for Jalen Waddle. I'm still not a believer that this Miami. Offense... I said that last week, and then uh, look, yeah. look what happened. And it wasn't just that that Waddle exploded for the huge game. It was that we went from Tyree Kill being option one, two, and three for a lot of the first half of that game to Jalen Waddle was the first option they were looking to for a lot of that game. And Tyreek Hill made his big plays late, ended up with huge numbers, obviously, because that's just what he can do. But I think I'm just going to – I don't know. I, I don't mind trading Je- trading Jeff Wilson and getting good value. But I think I might just hold Jalen Waddle. I'd want to hold off on that for right now if I'm the Waddle side. And just let's just see. Let's just see, because I don't think anyone is buying at like a top five wide receiver yeah. price right now. I think if Waddle levels out and is something like a top 15 receiver, I think you'll still be very happy with the value you can get for him if you either trade him later on down the road or very happy with him still on your team. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, I would still probably do the trade because I think Jeff Wilson isn't going to work out. And I think his value probably goes down every week. Maybe it's a little different uh, with the addition of Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, I, I will say like, I wouldn't be surprised if Waddle ends up still having a better season, like week three onward than Gabe Davis. But I think yeah. they probably come a little closer to each other um, than the discrepancy there is now. It's possible. Although even, even though I have Waddle as a bust, I still have him a decent bit higher than, than Gabe Davis in the ranks. And I know Gabe Davis wasn't around in week two, but I think my feeling of, hey, we might just get this crazy Stefan Diggs season. So far, it's, that's not looking uh, too far-fetched to talk about. Just an amazing start for that guy. Holy crap. You might want to cover him. Uh, yeah, you might might want to cover him. Uh, Dalton, who's who's your third uh, guy here? This is two. Uh, oh, this is two for you? Yeah. Um, I mean, stock down tremendously on this one. And this is, I mean, the entire Broncos could go here. I'm just putting Russell Wilson at the moment because holy cow, is Denver just does not know what they're doing. No. I mean, I stole this from Warren Sharp on Twitter, who had a good article in Fox Sports today, just about how bad this team is right now. The Denver Broncos are scoring at a lower rate. 10.5% of their drives than Geno Smith's Seattle Seahawks at 11% of their drives. In addition to that, Denver had five drives that made it to goal-to-goal situations, and they scored zero touchdowns. That's so bad that you have to go all the way back to 2000 to find another team that's done that. And, like, you could have watched them week one, and you saw how bad the play calling was. You come up to the line of scrimmage – You do a shotgun run on the one-yard line, which I don't know any team that thinks that's a good play call, especially when it's up the gut. No, but but teams do still do that for for dumb reasons, and now the the Broncos obviously are 
are in with that team. One thing teams do not do, unless you have Taysom Hill, is a tight end end around on third and one. That is yes. uh, that is a whole other kettle of fish. And then they fumble the ball, and they go back and they run it again. Uh, this team's offense against a putrid Houston Texans team were go balls to Cortland Sutton. I mean, it was nothing else. That was how they were getting down the field was Russell Wilson was just chucking it and hoping Sutton would go up and catch it. It seemed um, like Jerry, like they were a little better before Judy got hurt. Once Judy went out, that sort of changed things. But, I mean, to your point, you're right. Like, even without Judy, they shouldn't look that helpless uh, against the Texans. Like, and I know Tim Patrick is already hurt, and Patrick was supposed to be an important part of that offense too, but – you're Russell well, Wilson. Albert O you has have, zero targets, though. Like, yeah, you're, you're, you're Russell Wilson. You have Cortland Sutton. That KJ Hamler is at least decent. Like, figure it out. You're not you're, like you're playing the Houston Texans. Well, this offense has the most penalties through two weeks in the NFL, 25. Garrett Bowles looks absolutely lost to tackle. They have wide receivers breaking from the huddle and going the wrong way and taking timeouts or getting delay of games because they're not set. And Russell Wilson is a veteran quarterback. He's not just making calls on the line. He's looking to the sideline every single play. And Nathaniel Hackett is calling just shit for plays, even when they get a good call on the field. Wow. Label this podcast not safe <laughs> for work. Nathaniel oh, Hackett. But I, I cannot believe either one, and I do not want to admit this, like the Seattle Seahawks narrative coming out of Seattle when Russell Wilson got traded, that he was washed. And like the reason they ran the ball all the time was to cover for his issues is right. Or Nathaniel Hackett is one of the worst coaches in the NFL and probably needs fired at the end of the season. I don't know which one's right right now, but Russell Wilson looks legitimately lost right now. I, I don't think Russ is washed. Um, I, I said question. lost. I Oh, lost. I thought you said washed. He is a little bit lost. Um, but anyway, I'll, just broadly speaking then, I don't think he's washed, but I do think he's not the same guy as he was a couple of years ago, like from a movement perspective, from a scrambling perspective, he he's run the ball less as the years have gone on this last couple of years, which is totally normal for, for all of these guys. Like even not like Rogers ever ran a ton, but Rogers has run less and less as the years gone on. But Russ has just not been able to, 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 to elevate his teams in other ways as a quarterback, besides what he used to do, which was the crazy deep balls and making plays on on the scrambles. I I, I don't know. He, here's what I think. I think they will bounce back. I think they will figure it out. But like Russell Wilson is the QB six, is which is what I had him before the season. I think that ship has probably sailed. Cortland Sutton as a top. 12. 15 receiver 12 receiver which i didn't have him there but others did and it, at least in my mind it was well within the range of possibilities i'd be more surprised than not if Cortland sutton is a top 12 receiver by the end of the season because they just don't look like they have a plan on offense you mentioned the penalties i i actually happened to be watching the end of their first week on the manning cast and they were losing their mind because they weren't breaking the huddle on their on their drives until like five seconds were on the clock. And it's like, okay, now we can't make any audibles, can't can't do anything. They had to burn a timeout like in the first half in the red zone just because they just weren't lined up in time. Well, it, I was it, gonna. It's just a sloppy operation. I was ready to say that that was 
the loud environment in Seattle, but then they went to Denver and they were doing the same stuff. And I think the, I mean, you said figure it out. So I want to know what you mean when you say like, what does this Denver Broncos team look like figuring it out? Because I don't know if there's a good outcome other than Jerry Judy is out for the next five weeks. And because Jerry Judy is out, um, Cortland Sutton just gets a mid's target share like he has in the past. Well, I don't know. Maybe if you pay a guy $200 million, let's not throw it to the third string tight end on play action rollouts every third play. Let's actually throw the ball down the field. And when I say down the field, I don't mean literally 40 yards down the field. Let's have a little bit of an in-between between a five-yard A dot and a 40-yard A dot. How about a nice 10-yard pass? How about like when Judy comes back, how about a nice slant route? Cortland Sutton, big body guy, he should be able to get open over the middle of the field, not just on straight go routes down the field, right? Like they have the weapons that they should be able to at least work this out and be a good offense. And that's not even mentioning the running backs. Like you can throw it to Javante. You can throw it to Melvin Gordon or just better yet, let Javante get more touches and Melvin Gordon less because, you know, Gordon is fine. Javante is really freaking good. Right now, he's the best player on that offense by a long shot. And by the way, he should have had a touchdown week one uh, or week two. I don't know if you've seen – well, week one if they didn't, if he didn't fumble. And week two, I don't know if you've seen the still, the screenshot, but he is like quite literally standing five feet in front of Russell Wilson in the end zone. on um, You know the ball that Russ tried to force in the end zone that got tipped and Kendall mm-hmm. Hinton caught it in the back of the end zone and came down? Like literally Javante is standing like this at the goal line, wide open. So, like, maybe look to your best player on offense uh, a little bit more, too. I, I don't know. They're, they just have too much talent to look this inept, and part of it is Russ. Part of it is coaching right now, and it's incredibly frustrating. And in our Dynasty League, I am happy to have traded those problems to you, even though Josh Allen's your starter. You have, you have to worry about them a lot less than me, but – Good Lord, it's been just frustrating to watch the Broncos these first two weeks. Didn't think I'd be saying the Raiders had a better offense through two weeks, but here we yeah. are. Yeah. Um, all right, Evan, who do you got number two? Enough of complaining about the Denver Donkeys. <laughs> I could complain about the Broncos for, I think, a half hour. It's been truly pathetic with what they've been these first two therapies for. <sighs> okay, I'll, I'll save uh, – I, I guess I'll, I'll, I'll save the big one for number one. I'll go out of order on my list here. So Garrett Wilson. Uh, talk about a breakout in week two. And I think my biggest takeaway right now is I would be concerned if I were an Elijah Moore fantasy manager right now. Wilson had two touchdowns, a crap ton of yards, and a crap ton of usage in week two. And it wasn't – obviously, they came back and won. None of it was empty stats. And most importantly, you just know when you're watching the game – when the guy when a guy looks the part, Garrett Wilson looks the part. That that guy, you know, we said coming out of college that our read on him based on a little bit of watching and a lot of reading people who do this for a living, cover the draft for a living, is that he's a great player, great prospect. He just seems to be more consistent on a play and play out basis. But his highs are like higher than anybody else in this class. And I think we saw that in week two. He had a 34% target share in week two. His route, his route participation was up from 56% to week in, in week one to 72% in week two. You would expect that is going to keep climbing. Uh, well, 
And if you watch the first touchdown he had in that game where he's on an island with a DB and his move off the line, he goes in and then he goes out and the DB goes in and doesn't get back out and Wilson's wide open. And that was the number one thing coming out of college he was good at was his ability to separate off the line. Yep. And, and I, I, I don't, it's, I'm glad you said that. I don't know if, if people remember, if they haven't seen the video, you can go back and, and watch uh, some of our, our rookie podcast. That was one of the Garrett Wilson clips I showed from him in college was him absolutely toasting a guy on the one yard line where it's like, he should not be able to get this open from the two yard line in the end zone. But he does because he is a great route runner and he's got great burst coming, coming out of his routes. And I mean, the air yards, he's at 35% of the team air yards in week two in zone targets. He has about three fourths of them. In, in week two, this was elite usage for a player that looked like he could be an elite player someday. And today he could be the number one receiver on this team. I would not have thought that I did not think that coming into the season because I like Elijah Moore. I think Elijah Moore is really good, but it's been double the fantasy points and double the air yards, or I think air yards now, no target share, double the fantasy points and double the target share for Garrett Wilson through two weeks. And it's not always going to be that Elijah Moore is going to have his weeks, but this is looking a lot more like it could be Garrett Wilson as the one a Elijah Moore is the one B and that's not what you signed up for. If you, I mean, people were drafting Elijah Moore in the twenties. I didn't have him ranked there, but like he's an awesome player and was a popular breakout candidate, but he's just not the best receiver on this team right now. Yeah. I am trying to reserve all judgment from the running back room to the wide receiver room until Zach Wilson is back because Joe Flacco is, he won a game and PFF somehow has him as like the fourth best graded quarterback. Well, the thing, the thing with Joe Flacco is if you don't get any pressure on him, he, like he can throw the ball. He's an adult. He's more than an adult. He's an old man out there. Uh, I, I love the NFL's tweet with all the young quarterbacks. And it's the picture of Joe Flacco uh, with, with like Tua and all those guys after, after their wins. But if you could pressure on him, like it's over, he, he can't escape. Yeah. He's going to hold the ball. You're, I mean, he got stripped even once in the, in the game, but the Browns didn't get much pressure on him and, and he made him pay and he can continue yeah. to do that. And I agree with you that it's less certain when Zach Wilson gets back, what it'll look like as a whole. But I mean, through two weeks, man, Garrett Wilson looks like the best receiver on this team. Yeah. It's hard to do that. My biggest concern, and this is not an indictment of Garrett Wilson, who I think a lot of leagues, he was probably a wave wire pickup or could be a wave wire pickup um, is just, I wonder if Zach Wilson is a worse outcome for this passing offense than Joe Flacco is. And I think that's yeah. very possible. Yeah. But so I wouldn't say I wouldn't go trade the house on it. But what I would do is well, if he's out there, go pick him up. Like absolutely. A, number yeah. one. But and then I would probably drop Corey Davis or trade or hope he gets traded back to the, the, the Titans. <laughs> but just, just wanted to give Garrett Wilson some props because he was flat out awesome in week two. And I mean, this guy was a top 15 pick for a reason. Uh, hey, you hear that, Falcons? You can you can use uh, these high draft picks. Um, Crazy to think about. He's he's a really good player, and he looked really good in week two. He's got the pedigree. He's got the skill. Like I think it's probably only up from here, not from a production standpoint, but just from a pure player perspective. He is going to keep getting better this season. 
Yeah. Speaking of a guy who wasn't a high draft pick and didn't have the pedigree coming out of college, it's my number one. Speaking uh, of a guy who is exa- of a guy who's exactly the opposite of what you just said. Um, he was a very popular breakout candidate that me and Evan both said we weren't in on. Uh, but it is Omron St. Brown. Yeah. Absolute stock through the roof. Um, my biggest gripe with him and his draft position coming into the season was that he was just the only guy getting targets in this offense. And then two, uh, Jared Goff is bad. Two is still true. Two will always be true. It yeah. will never not be true that Jared Goff is bad. And I think it will lead to some con- inconsistent weeks. But right now, we have, NFL, but, but it's been literally nothing but consistency. What does he have? Eight catches or more for, or seven catches or more for eight straight weeks, which if it's not an NFL record, it is very close to an NFL record, which is yeah. unbelievably impressive. I don't care if you're playing with a gym teacher an accountant and a lawyer as your wide receivers two through four. That's crazy to, to do that in the NFL. Yeah. Well, and that's what I was going to say. He has eight consecutive games of a 30% target share, mm-hmm. which is insane. Then you have the lions. Okay. The biggest gripe on him coming out of college was he wasn't fast. The lions run an end around to him last week and he gets 54 yards <laughs> on it. And then he has his third string offensive guard, pushing guys to the ground 30 yards up the field. And Dan Campbell has that offensive guard coming out. Like Omron St. Brown just fits like this Dan Campbell motive of like, this guy is just a workhorse. He's a dog and his routes are clean. Third in the NFL in targets, third in the NFL in catches, first in the NFL in touches, touchdowns to wide receivers. And TJ Hawkinson is just out. Like he's out of, he's out of question for me. I, I don't think he's startable week to week. Yeah. I think he's the inconsistent problem on this team now. Um, DJ Chark gets his deep throws, but I think he's, I mean, we saw the one deep throw DJ Chark last week where Jared Goff missed him by a mile because it's Jared Goff throwing deep. I just think Omron St. Brown fits into this offense, and I think he's really good. He's fourth in the NFL in separation through two weeks. He hasn't played very good teams in the Washington football team, being one of them. Um, but we also just saw the Eagles absolutely lock up Justin Jefferson and make Kirk Cousins look bad on Monday Night Football. The week it, was, it was it was primetime Kirk though, like that, it was primetime. I, 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 I think primetime Kirk is a little worse than even Jared Goff. I, I, they're pretty close. <laughs> um, but and this Lions team is second in the NFL in total scoring. So I I'm ready to say the Sun God has arrived, and I am more than happy to hop on the train. Last week he was still under six thousand dollars on DraftKings. I am excited to see how expensive he is now. Uh, Andrew asked in chat, Gerald, Gerald Everett or Garrett Wilson as number one priority? Definitely Garrett Wilson. Definitely yeah, Garrett I wouldn't Wilson. be surprised if there's some punishment for Gerald Everett after giving up a pick six, because um, that was definitely his fault. I would be willing. I, I don't know what you think uh, on this, Dalton. I'd be willing to spend like half of my fab on, on Garrett Wilson, to be honest. Yeah, with the way waivers has played out the last two weeks and depending on how your team looks, I don't hate that. I would do like a 50% bid feels good. Yep. Yep. Uh, I'm curious. We don't do ranks throughout the season. We do them before the season. That's it. But let's just say that we were to do ranks. Where would you have, let's just say just for next week, let's just do ranks for next week. Where would you have Amon Ross St. Brown ranked? Because I see people saying he's a wide receiver one. And I want to get there because he keeps making us look dumb and just doing it every week. But it's really like that's a that's very high praise. It goes without saying, like you have to be really good to be wide receiver one. And he's been that 
now for quite some time if you include last season to this season. But I don't know. I, I'm just having a really tough time with with where to value St. Brown right now. I'm curious what, what your thoughts are. That is tough. I, I think you have to put him in the top 12 till he's not. I mean, two weeks in a row, he's been top 12. He's the f- second red zone option behind Jamal Williams, which is a weird thing to say <laughs> in and of itself. Um, but I just, I think that Jared Goff found the guy he believes in. And I know it's a joke, but everybody's going around saying this is the next Cooper Cup because well, he gets, Goff he, is thrown he, to he, he gets used. I was going to say, I hate the lead into the Cooper Cup thing. But he gets used a lot like Cooper Cup. They they get him. I, I would love to go see the percentages, but I bet his percentages of snaps where he gets lined up against a linebacker and just torches him, much like Cooper Cup, are very high, which is not to crap on St. Brown at all. It's the same as very smart with the lines and using a, a good player how he should be used. I really want to see what this offense looks like with Jamison Williams back. And Man, if they get a quarterback in the draft or in free agency or something, like this wow. is an offense with a lot of talent and, and a good, good offensive line and at least pretty good coaching. I don't yeah. think we can quite say good. It's hard to know if a coach is good when they've never had like they've never been in the truly high leverage games on a consistent basis. But I think I, I think they're at least above average right now in the coaching department. Yeah. Uh, once they fire Anthony Lynn, they'll be great. All <laughs> right, Evan, who do you got as your number one? I think I'm going to be pretty excited to hear this one. Oh yeah. Uh, funny enough, I, I, I made my list. He was on it before I traded for him in our dynasty league with you today, but it's Jalen hurts. Now I want to say there was some annoying Jalen hurts discourse on Twitter taking place last night. I think both of these things can be true. He played Probably the best game I've ever seen him play in the NFL last night. And the Vikings defense was an absolute travesty. And Troy Aikman said this multiple times. They are giving them the same look on every single play. They're not making him read coverages at all. And guys are just getting free release off the line of scrimmage. But... With that said, and even though it's only two games against the Lions, who gave it up to Carson Wentz the next week as well, and then the Vikings, who were bad defensively last week after, it should be said, shutting down Aaron Rodgers in week one. So tough to really know how to think about that in my mind. But he was awesome. I I think I need to see a little bit more, uh, not more from him, but just see it more multiple weeks in a row for me to completely buy in. But... From what I've seen so far, he is a good enough passer for me to think of him as a top five or six quarterback, to put A.J. Brown as a top 12 receiver, to put Dallas Goddard as a top five or six tight end, and to want Devonta Smith as a top 30. We, we saw week one, he was basically non-existent, and then he looked great. He might be the, the third guy who's inconsistent in, in that offense. And then he just kind of – you want Miles Sanders because that offense looks like they're going to be moving the ball up and down the field on teams right now. He was making, he hit some deep shots last night that were albeit wide open, but you, you still got to make the throws. And, and he did. And then he made a couple passes that really impressed me. He, he threw in the tight windows. He leveled the ball on a few occasions, which uh, basically means he threw over a linebacker to his guy. And he had a, 
like a cornerbacker or a safety behind the guy. He's able to throw it over the linebacker and still drop it into his guy. Showed great touch on a couple of occasions. I, I, I don't think, even with how the Vikings defense played last night, I don't think Jalen Hurts is capable of having that game last year. He looks better this year to me. It's only two weeks. It could it could change. It could just be he's really hot right now, and he regresses back to closer than what he's been previously. But through two weeks, I have been just very impressed by what I've seen. Well, and obviously I've been a Jalen Hurts fan for a little while. Um, the two things that really stood out to me last week that I was impressed by, the first was – I know it was a busted coverage on the TD throw to Quez Watkins, but those are the plays that like even a middling quarterback needs to be able to make. Yep. And he made it and he hit him in stride for a touchdown for a 52 yarder. You like to see that. And then, I mean, that touchdown run, like if Josh Allen did that, it would be sports center number one. Are we it doing the, be, are we doing the, we are, what we would are. the, what would the media say if Patrick Mahomes but, did this? But it's that's true. Like, that's, if, that, that's like my favorite bit that part, that PMT does and then he'll just tweet out a Patrick Mahomes play yes. with, with it. <laughs> but but it's true. I mean, he literally got hit at the five and then somehow got into the end zone. Yeah. Zeke can't even do that anymore. Um, that was very impressive. And then he had seven passes in the middle of the field. And if you've listened to any of our other episodes, you know that last season he had a total of 11. Yeah. Um, so he's actually like, you can see that that's where he's progressing as a quarterback and at least trying to get better. Um, and then they're just using their weapons correctly. I mean, he, Devonta Smith got involved in the game last night, which you love to see for him as a quarterback. And, and AJ then, Brown, and, and then literally any usage of AJ Brown is correctly because yes. he can do it all, and he is very good. Yes, and AJ Brown still got two like very deep sideline shots, and they looked good. They were they were on target. He just wasn't able to haul them in. And then Dallas Goddard got really involved. Yeah. Their offensive lines blocking at a very elite level. It's not like the the pass rush for the Vikings is nothing. They got to Eric Rodgers. And I mean, when you have a quarterback who can have like 14 rushes for 90 yards and a touchdown in the game, yeah, uh, that's I mean that's that's fantasy week winning upside. I wouldn't be surprised if he did finish as the overall quarterback one. The most encouraging thing is the Eagles are seventh in the NFL in pass rate above expectation. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. that and I questioned what they would be pass if they were really going to pass the ball a ton more than they did last year because the formula that worked to get them to the playoffs after they started off poorly because they were trying to pass was we're going to run, run and run some more and then mix in the passes when we have to. And so far they are passing. And unlike last year to start the season, it's working. They're not getting, he, he dug them multiple holes because he was a bad passer to start last season. And I mean, they haven't played like the two best teams in the NFL, but the Vikings and the lions are both decent teams. And I thought he's looked really good, better than I expected. And just look at their schedule. I They really don't play any good teams. I mean, <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if the, the way the NFC is working out right now, if the Eagles walked out with, like, the number one overall seed. Um, it could it happen. Definitely, like, within the range of outcomes, uh, I think they'll get shellacked by the Buccaneers in the actual playoffs when football matters. But I wouldn't be surprised if they were able to walk out with a top one or two seed and uh, maybe surprise a weak team in week one. Mm-hmm. I'm with you, Dalton. Uh, I know we still have some questions still coming in the chat, but we unfortunately do have to get out of here in just a moment. I will say, though, uh, the little scrolling banner across the bottom, that's our Twitter and TikTok, but more importantly, Twitter. Uh, just tweet at us. Uh, DM us. We'll try and answer the que- as many questions as we can. We, we just don't have the time to 
to sit here and, and keep answering, but we, we so very much appreciate you guys joining the chat. Dalton, anything else that you want to say before we hop out? No. And if you, I mean, you guys can drop a subscription too. And I think once we hit like 40 subscribers, we'll probably do a mailbag episode here or there. Be happy to answer questions that way too. So, yeah, but thanks for all the, the interest tonight guys. And we'll, we'll be back next week and hopefully help you lead to more fantasy victories. <laughs> we can only hope we can only hope, you know what? I just hope that we have fewer games where the team that's down by a lot of points comes back and wins because that cost me a lot of money over the weekend. I don't know about you guys. Uh, financially, Monday night saved me and the Kansas Jayhawks. <laughs> but yes, Sunday cost me a lot of money. That is true. That's true. All right. That's going to do it for episode 83 of the Half Point for Podcast. Thank you guys all so much for getting the YouTube chat. We appreciate it. And thank you, of course, to anybody listening on the podcast apps as well as Apple Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere else you find your podcast. We would love the subscriptions on YouTube. Please subscribe, like the videos. That would mean the world to us, and we appreciate the interaction, obviously, as well. Rate and review the podcast as well. That That is another big way you can help the show. And we will be back uh, next week, just like this week, Waiver Wire Show to start the week uh, with Dalton and I. And then we'll be back with a podcast to talk about God knows what, because this league is so unpredictable, and it is so fun, and I am here for it. So glad to be talking fantasy football guys and we will talk to you all again.